Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Reformed and Real Podcast. I actually have a guest on this one, Miss P. Hello. She was actually like my anatomy teacher in high school, and I think that's crazy because you're like my best friend now. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. How was I as a student? You were an interesting student. Um, you were definitely one of my best students. Really? Yes. And you were also one of my most moody that is true. Mm-hmm. That is very true. Yeah, you taught me a lot about how to handle um, students' emotions, and it's kind of it's an interesting path to navigate, I guess I could say. So what about now? I mean, it's been a few years, and I think, you know, I think I've changed a lot since then, most definitely. Mm-hmm. How would you say that I am now as a person? Yeah, I mean... When I knew you, can I talk about the like the physical stuff like we were just talking about, or should I just do emotional? Both. Okay. So I think physically you've changed so much um, in terms of your face. I mean, you had these like dark eyes. They're so dark. Yeah. You're always so angry about something. And you had your positive times too, but I know you were going through a lot at that point. But you were also so skinny, and I think there was a lot just going on in your personal life at that point. Um, but now you just got this glow about you. You have this, your skin's glowing, your eyes, they look brown or they look like they're just outlined with some light. And I think that just shows how your mindset has changed as well. I, I, I noticed that you are definitely in a different mindset and I think you've started this podcast too which is showing you that you're in a different place but but no I think like you being my my teacher too I'll never forget how I used to just walk into your class and I never talked to you I never engaged with you I was just there like I was there but I wasn't there and I think my demeanor was very like don't mess with me yeah but I'm the total opposite of that right and that's you really taught me um, how to navigate a, a student like that because I, I was just for everyone who's listening I was a first year teacher it was 2020 it was during the pandemic we all had masks on um, I was teaching virtually and in class at that point I had no idea what I was doing but I think we just kind of took it day by day and we kind of tried to figure it out and that's that's what we did for me I remember you coming up to me one day and I really thought like I did something but no you pull me aside and you're just like what did you say you said something along the lines of um I want to tell you something but I don't know how to approach you because I don't want you to snap at me and I'm just like I am like the sweetest person you'll ever meet. I am not going to like snap at you. And that's when I noticed as I'm like, you need to be more presentable. Like I do, I do think I looked very mean at the time. Not mean. I wouldn't say mean. I just think unapproachable. I think where, and I'm glad that you say that because in hindsight, now that I look at it, I think teachers, they're really strapped with, all of this jargon before they even head into the classroom. Don't do this. Don't say that. Da, 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 da. So you start to see the student less as a person and more as just a liability. Mm. And 
then you are scared to approach people and treat them as a human being. Really, students at that age in high school, they just want someone to be real with them. And I think that I was trying to kind of do that with you, if that makes sense. But I think our our bond kind of grew because our beliefs were the total opposite at the time. You were more scientific. I was just more on the religious aspect of things. I'll never forget, I gave you homework, remember? You did? I told you, you to go home homework. and and read um, <laughs> the story of Esau and Jacob. Yep. And I said I was going to grade you on it. <laughs> and then you gave me homework. You told me to, to read about... Um, you tried to get me really into the whole like astrology thing because remember I told you like I don't believe in that like mm-hmm. that is just totally and I, <laughs> I really explained myself and I had you thinking like oh wow um, yeah I think I I think I you passed my class but I failed yours your oh most definitely <laughs> because yeah, most definitely you failed yeah because I gave you a test and you failed it and it was only like five questions yep. That was just horrible. Yeah, that sounds a lot. I think you would pass now. I think you've learned a lot from me mm-hmm. in our conversations. For sure. I've learned a lot from you. I don't remember anything from that class. I'm not going to lie. It's okay. That's mostly you, as a teacher, you remember how someone makes you feel versus like what you actually learned. Very, very true. Yeah. So. But I was very into when we talked about... Um, the brain. I know you saw me very engaged with that. Yeah. I was very interested. But I appreciate you for getting me a pet shark. <laughs> we, yeah, we did definitely do some pretty interesting dissections. That was one of, I would say, my strong suits. I kind of let you guys choose, right? I was like, what pack do you want to buy on the internet? We'll just do it. <laughs> I pretty miss open. my shark, but um, he was smelling really bad. <laughs> Was feeling pretty bad, yeah. <laughs> Very bad. But anywho, um, speaking of like the student teacher dynamic, now that you know you've been teaching for a few years now, versus like your first year, I I think I kind of gave you that boost to have a different kind of student. I did, and and I think now you you have a better relationship with your your students now because they're able to talk to you. And I think you got you learned that for me. Yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up because that first year of teaching, I learned a lot about um, what students need and how to relate to them. Um, I didn't realize that a lot of students need emotional support. And funny enough, that's actually my my weak spot. Like, emotional support. Yeah. I mean, I could literally tell you facts about the brain or present a lesson about shark anatomy, but when it comes to the emotional um, support for students, that always felt so uncomfortable for me. And I think I've had, a, you know, with you and a couple other students, handful of other students, they've really pressed wanting to... Uh, have a, a relationship with me and they've taught me more than I have taught them about how to be more emotionally available and how to take the space and listen and 
let them take the stage and just be there for them. I just never really understood that. And I think that that's good and that's important with how society is really moving right now, which is kind of sad. Because I think for a lot of students, school is all that they have and the connections that they make with their teachers. And in school, especially during the middle school, high school stage, you're going through a lot. But I think for me, after I got out of high school, um, to still have a relationship with most of my teachers, especially like you, like I was able to call you during like a very, very hard time in my life and be like, you know what, like I got this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think that that's very important. Yeah. And I think you guys need that type of reassurance because at your age, everything feels like a high high or a low low and it's either super devastating or super exciting and when you get older things start to kind of level out a little bit there's more like hills instead of mountains and it's really important to be there for the younger generation and and support them during those times because i think it's easy for teenagers to get off track and I think trauma can really start developing at that age. And if you don't have strong leaders and listeners in your life, then that type of trauma can have a ripple effect in your 20s. Most definitely. I actually have a question for you now that you talk about like trauma and how, you know, school, how the school system is. Mm-hmm. How, as a teacher, would you or do you believe it should be handled when there is a student who has like a different belief than what everyone else is conditioned to or someone else in general? Like, I think that first week of school is very crucial because there have been times I've gone to class and I remember the first day of school, I remember the first day of school then where you were like, write your birthday and Zodiac sign on the board. And, you know, I don't believe in that, and it made me very uncomfortable. But any time it came, like, to my beliefs, it was just kind of like, whatever. Like, that's irrelevant. So as a teacher now that you've been there for a while, like, Mm -hmm. how do you see that in the school system? How do you handle it personally? I think it's always a moving target, and every new situation has to be handled with like the actual events that are surrounding that situation. I wish there was a playbook that I could apply to every situation, but really it just is so contextual. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say in general, some points that I kind of reference, if there's some student who has these, you know, different beliefs or something different than what I as a teacher am presenting I think it's important to create discussion and to make sure that students realize that they shouldn't be isolated based on what they believe or what they're talking about or the position that they're holding at that point and you know with teaching science um, we do have debates in science um, during our evolution unit will debate evolution 
Um, so the kids will then do some research on is evolution real, is it not? And that kind of helps them to start to form arguments and to defend their, 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 their standpoint in a certain way. And that's important when you go out in the real world, you really have to think about what you believe and how you're going to defend that. That's, that, that it is. But that, that's good because I think science teachers really have it difficult with that, especially when they start to talk about, you know, evolution and all these things. I, I remember even in middle school, I was just always one of those kids that was just like, Malaysia, just do it, learn it so that you can pass. But don't ask me because I'm going to tell you, you know, what I truly believe. And I think science teachers really don't get the credit they deserve yeah because that science and religion mm -hmm. is just like oh like how do i stay neutral in this as a teacher yes but stand on what i believe at the same time right because as a student you would be like man my teacher probably atheist bro she and that's not the case at all you can have a very religious standpoint but you have to teach it you know by the books I guess how I could say that you have to teach it by the books, but at the same time, not give your opinion. And that kind of gives the students a like iffy like look on it because some some students have religious trauma and you might be their comfort person mm -hmm. as a teacher. And then they feel like they can't talk to you about it because of what you teach and how you talk about it because they think that that's your belief. I'm glad that you brought that up. So a lot of students, and I made this mistake too when I was going through school, I thought that teachers were able to pick the topics that they could teach about and really create a lesson plan and have all of this freedom. So maybe in some states like the state of Illinois, I know they have a lot of freedom in terms of their science education. Here in Florida, they present a curriculum guide. So literally every week, you are told what to talk down to the amount of days that you need to spend on every subject. So maybe there's four days for studying cell organelles, like the mitochondria and the, the nucleus and all of that. And that's all you have to really cover like the most important topics there. So a lot of students, when they're taking the class, they think that the teacher is just deciding like, oh, this is what we're going to talk about today. When in reality, it's the state telling the teacher, okay, you have four days to talk about this mm -hmm. and you need to cover this because then it's going to be covered on a state test. And then the kids need to pass that test. So I think that certain topics in science, math, English, art, you name it, would be actually way more interesting and engaging to students if the teacher had more control of how to navigate those topics. Yeah. But what has happened in public school is there's been a huge shift over time to standardized testing and you really just have to teach the kids to pass the test. And a lot of students will also look at the teacher and think that the teacher believes everything that they're teaching. Mm -hmm. So I've learned over time, especially when it comes to evolution, if you look at the curriculum guide, 
it's really teaching about evolution. There's maybe one or two questions about creationism and then also about um, intelligent design. Mm -hmm. So you can see how slanted it is already. And my job as an educator is really making sure that the students know it's a theory. And I keep saying that all the time. It's a theory. It's a theory. It's a theory. And I'll say it to the point where they're almost sick of hearing it. But I do that on purpose because I want them to think about what other alternatives there are out there. When I was taught about evolution, I felt like it was the Bible. It was the thing. And there was no other option of understanding in terms of how we as humans have evolved. Really, there are other there are other theories out there and there's other research that could, you know, slant the other way. But you don't learn that in a public education setting. And I think that that's sad. I truly think that the school system, and I know this might be like very controversial, but I do think that the school system is really messed up for what they teach us. Because honestly, we don't learn anything important. That None of that is what life is about, and I think it's all a distraction from truth. And I think of it like this, and this is how I go about school. Noah didn't need a college degree to know how to build the ark. All he needed was God, the Holy Spirit. What is school really teaching us that is really beneficial to our lives? I think there's definitely, I'm glad that you're saying this because, you know, you and I have experienced, I would say, a very similar background in education. And I would say I've learned a lot, but I've had to personally go above and beyond my education to make the connections of how it applies to the real, real, real world and how my education is relevant. Because there were major chunks of my education, I would say, that were not relevant. But that type of education, I made sure to spin in a way or learn in a way how I could make it valuable. Because I didn't want to waste my time. And that's like kind of where I'm getting at. I I do agree with that, making it valuable to you and what you want to do. I don't think school as a whole is stupid or irrelevant i'm not saying that i just think the the fundamentals of what they teach us before they try to be like okay figure it out you're not telling us really what we need to know what do i need to know this and that for yes and oftentimes when uh, i notice this is pretty relevant when you're learning math math is actually a very interesting subject matter altogether But the way it's taught, you're literally put into a dissociative phase in your mind because you're just trying to scramble to understand the basics. So, okay, hey, um, two times two is four, okay? Two plus two is four. There needs to be more visual input with math, especially at a younger age 
to get the kids to understand how math works. Yes. And especially also really relating concepts of the matrix, which I know sounds odd, but I'm sure everyone who's listening, I hope you've seen the movie The Matrix, where they talk about the zeros and ones and how reality is made of this this matrix, this like grid-like pattern, this 3D grid pattern. And when you start to relate math to reality and to physics, that becomes more enjoyable for students to learn. I wish that I like understood, you know, the 3D type of math, maybe even using string in class to make the X and the Y axis and make it 3D. I think I would have had a little bit more fun with math. But again, in terms of the curriculum guide, I understand now and I have more appreciation for my teachers in hindsight because I knew that now they weren't actually just trying to be intentionally boring. They were following the curriculum guide like the state said because that's what the rules were. And that's the one thing I think that my generation and your generation were right at the cusp of starting to break free from the rules. Like I said, I'll interweave in my teaching like this is just a theory. This is just this and drop a little bit of this and plant those seeds. But I think I could be doing more. And yeah. I think your generation, from what I've learned from my my students, is to be more bold. Yeah. So how as a science teacher who is learning more about these like biblical things, how does science and that... Um, combined for you because I know that when I first asked you you were just like I don't know higher power and like now I talk to I think after talking to me sometime and be like oh that makes sense how like I explain things to you now you're kind of more like oh okay I hear you talk about like God like way more now so how has science and that kind of come into one for you yeah um I feel like I'm a stubborn spiritual person (laughs) explain that very stubborn like I know that there is something out there that is beyond us Mm -hmm. but I also feel so inclined to be I don't like the word devil's advocate but to be a devil's advocate and I almost feel like a Karen to religion like that's really yeah I really do I feel like a Karen to religion I know so I feel like I get in these situations in my life that I even have to laugh. Like, I think it's funny, even though I'm probably dying on the inside. So I'll give you an example. So recently in March, Mm -hmm. I decided I was totally burnt out from teaching. I needed a break. I literally left teaching. I went to Mexico, went on this solo trip. I've been to Mexico before. I love Mexico. I have this obsession with Mexico. Don't know what that's about. But when I was there, for some reason, I got very sick, very sick to the point where I was talking to God. Oh, wow. That's sick, sick, Miss P. (laughs) I I was staying with this So I booked an Airbnb and I was staying with this gentleman 
gosh, I cannot remember his name at this point, but wonderful guy. He was this Swedish guy. He was a very older guy. He's like this gay hairstylist. And he had Turban? Torben. Torben was his name. Yeah. And he knew everything about Mexico City. He had been living there for 20 years. Older gentleman. And he had all of these beautiful recommendations. Go to this museum. Go to that. Do this. Da da. A wonderful guy. And, um, like towards the end of, I stayed with him for like a couple days and towards the end of the trip, I just remember laying in bed and I had a fever and I was throwing up and I just, I just felt delirious to the point where I remember being so direct with my conversation with God. I remember praying to God. I said, why did I put myself in this situation? Yes, I'm a young independent woman and I'm traveling and I'm paying for everything on my own. I'm so proud of myself, but look how almost vulnerable I am in this situation. I'm staying in an Airbnb with a man, mind you, safe man, but I'm staying in an Airbnb with this man. I'm so ill at this point. I don't know if I need to go see a doctor or professional my family can't help me. They're in a whole nother country. You know, what am I to do? And it really got me so down to the point where I literally was like, I need to talk to God at this point. And I said to God, I said, God, I am done <laughs> with the solo travel. I have had enough. I would like to travel with someone who loves me. And then I listed out all of these characteristics of the person that I wanted in my life. And lo and behold, recently I have met this, that person and we've clicked in this way that has just been so out of this world mm. and I appreciate it. So I just think that when you get direct with God, things truly happen in your life. And I also think that you always have the opportunity to get direct with God. However, everyone is on a spectrum. Like some people like me, the stubborn Karens out there, like <laughs> we just keep calling yourself a Karen. Because like I wish that I could be more like every day. Like I feel like in an everyday setting, I should be able to just be like, God, I want this or God, I need more understanding about this. I should have more of a, just a conversation with him. But I wait until the point where I'm on like my deathbed before I'm going to reach out. And you should not be like that. I know. You have to. I think something that helped me is like, you know how when you're in a relationship, there are just certain things you don't do out of respect. I think it's the same way with God. You wouldn't want to be with somebody who talks to you only when they need something. You wouldn't want to be with somebody who waits till things are just so horrible after they done done whatever they wanted to do under the sun and then now they need you it's just like but that's where i this is where you and i this is like such a good thing that we need to kind of dive into because i feel like so many people view it like that like they view it like i'm doing all i can god and i am just pulling my weight so you don't have to. I don't want to have to call on you because I'm a strong individual. That's what we all think. 
But at the same time, you're saying like, hey, you really don't need to see it like that. That's kind of a, yeah. not the right perspective. It's not. I think I understand exactly where where you are coming from because, again, society, everything conditions us to be a certain way and have the faith in ourselves. We can't do it by ourselves. These bodies are just vessels. We are a spirit inside of this. Once this body is gone, where are you going to go? So it's like, when you think of it like that, you have no power. You have no strength. This physical world isn't as real as the spiritual. All you have is God. None of this matters. So it's like, when you do talk to him and when you do go to him, God knows exactly where your heart is. He knows when you're just seeking him because you're desperate and you want something. And he knows when you genuinely want that Mm -hmm. with him. He is who gives us the strength. So it's like, you don't have no power in yourself. You really don't. That's the illusion. And that's where I think they talk about ego. Very much. But I, I do think that a lot of people get that from the spirit of rejection. Oh, let's go into that. We can talk about that. Yeah, I think I, I've dealt with the spirit of rejection before. And it made me very prideful. It made me... Think of myself like, I don't need you to do anything. I'm not going to ask you to do anything. I'm going to go do it myself. And that's it because you're not going to let me down. I'm not going to let you let me down. <laughs> and I'm not going to bust my butt to do all of these things just for you to not want me. I think that was one of the lowest points in my life dealing with rejection. And it hits even different when you when you deal with that from a parent. Well, why don't tell give give I know what you're talking about, but give everyone some context of what you're talking about. What do you mean? Like how Your how that came to be, like how my relationship mm-hmm. with my parents are. Mm-hmm. So growing up, like I had always been close to my dad, but I was sheltered from a lot. So there was a lot that I did not know. There was a lot that I didn't understand. And as I got older, I started to realize things because my mom was not present so then and there I automatically thought what's wrong with me why is she not here what's like I I thought that I was such a problem and now that I'm older I kind of I kind of realize the importance of really having that relationship with God because people will let you down there are times I felt like my dad let me down I felt like I wasn't wanted or that I didn't have a meaning or purpose in this life because my mom had a relationship with my brother and my sister. I'm like, what's wrong with me? Why don't you make an effort for me? I felt like as long as I was doing something for someone, that I meant something. And as I got older, that made me feel like my value wasn't in me as a person. It was more so in what I could do. And I got tired of being depressed and, and tired of being hurt, wondering what is wrong with me. There was nothing wrong with me. I just didn't know who I was. And until I had that encounter with God and until I realized, like, you know what? I can't control everyone else's perspective and I can't control what they decide to do, but I can't control certain things in my life and, and, and who I am. God created me. And he put me on this earth for a reason and for a purpose. And no matter whether my mom's there or not, whether 
I have this understanding from my dad or not or, or a bond or not with anybody in my family at that matter. I just kind of see it as like, okay, I'm here, but I don't live for you. I don't live for you anymore. I live for who created me. That's Wow, that was very powerful what you just said. A lot of I know a lot of people who deal with the spirit of rejection and you it it's kind of difficult because you don't think you're being prideful. You really think you're just protecting yourself. You think that you're guarding your heart. And that affected my relationship with my family because before I started realizing these things, I was a very bubbly person, always laughing. Like I just thought everything was funny, was not serious about anything, always dancing around. And then things hit me and it affected my relationship with my family a lot because I didn't want to go around. I didn't want to talk to nobody. I stopped making an effort, but it was all because I didn't want to be let down. Mm -hmm. And so when I got to school, I think it started around like eighth grade for me because I always had like that group of friends. Um, I started to find my validation in people. So I just was felt like, oh, as long as like they want me around then I mean something. And I think that a lot of kids deal with that, that they feel like they have to be around somebody. They feel like they have to, you know, fit in. You're right. Especially, I feel, with the type of students that I teach from ninth to 12th grade. I mean, that's truly a time period in your life where you do associate with people. And Mm -hmm. that's how you do get your validation. And that's why everything is either so high or so low. And that's where all the emotions come from, for sure. And and if those people that you are around don't even have themselves together spiritually because maybe they also came from a broken home, then you just have two wounded people not benefiting or helping each other grow out of that. They're kind of like enabling it. And so then that's where the attachment issues from that spirit of rejection come in because you find someone who's just like, oh, wow, we get along very well and you want to be around them all the time. But then now you just like have this like weird attachment to them. Let's let's go into that because really I'm so glad that you brought this up because when I, over my last three, four years of teaching, I've noticed that, first of all, teenagers up and down, left and right, mm-hmm. one week they love you, the next week they're just, they don't. <laughs> so you're, okay, great, whatever. So... You just ride the wave with them. You're just there to to be a sounding board for them and you keep on keeping on. But in terms of individual stories, like your story or this student's story or that student's story, yes, there are deep tragedies and learning experiences that individually that we're going through. Mm-hmm. But then there's also this collective And in terms of the collective with the students, I feel like the payoff that these students are going through right now with the social media in terms of relationships. Obviously in high school, there's this hyper fixation on relationships. Boy, girl, 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 boy, boy, whatever. There's this this desire to kind of start dipping into that knowing of someone else and having that crush and and all and then there's the devastation part okay you know that person has paired off with another person how do i feel about it and 
dealing with all of those emotions, it's, it's really hard. And I think that's where students start to kind of have those conversations with me. But what I've noticed in terms of the social media and how it affects the relationships, first of all, they find out about things 10 times faster. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, literally, they take a Snapchat video at a party and then they can pause the video and see their boyfriend in the background talking to that girl. Who are you talking to? All of this stuff. Instagram, hey, girly, I just want to let you know your boyfriend. It's just so different than it was back then, back when I grew up even. But now that there's this communication, this over-communication, I would say, students and kids are dealing with their emotions that much faster. Oh, my God. I feel hurt. This is going on. And all of the kids are dealing with this on a like a societal level. Mm-hmm. If you kind of look at it from a bird's eye view. And I think that your generation, the payoff is going to be in a couple more years, you're going to be way more mature than even us millennials on how to deal with problems because you dealt with it so young. That is very true. But I also think that when it comes to young kids in relationships, especially that middle uh, middle school, high school time where it's just like, you know, so big and this and that. I also think that at that time, it hits so hard because you're still figuring yourself out. Yeah. And you don't have that aspect of things that you'll have once you're older. Mm-hmm. I think for me... It wasn't even just relationship. It was friendship as well during during that time period. Because mm-hmm. it does take a toll on you during those times. And there are those group of kids that you find themselves like isolating themselves like all the time. You will never catch them like talking to nobody. I was one of those kids. Just always by myself. But the devil perverts everything. And so when I do see high schoolers now dealing with all of these things with heartbreak and stuff I kind of look at it and I'm like girl stop being weak in the knees like not not to not care not be empathetic because I get it Mm -hmm. but it's just like there's a greater love there is like you don't even know what love is right now exactly so I I just kind of look at it and I'm just like that little boy is not worth your tears that little boy is not worth you losing your mind yeah And it took me going to God to realize that. Like, the world has this view on love that's not love at all. Mm -hmm. And social media makes it no better because there is no commitment. There is no reality. It's just kind of like, oh, I'm with you and we do all of these things, but there's always just something and that's not love. You have two broken people enabling each other. Right, and I'm glad we definitely touched on that earlier today, and I think we should go back on that because that's a really important point, so I'm just going to let you take the stage on that. Like what I was telling you earlier when we were talking from, you know, the personal things that I have told you, I, I, I look these days and I can't think of many relationships that you really look and be like, oh, they love each other, like that's love. It's not. It's It's not. And... You have these young kids, even even some people my age, like in their 20s in college, and you're just kind of like, 
Uh-uh. Like, get it together because people these days don't want relationship. They want an enabler. And when you finally come across somebody who knows what love is, who is really in tune with God, who really believes, who has a pure heart and great intentions and has something going for themselves, society kind of marks them off as weird or label them as something. And I hate that. I, I hate that with a passion. You have to be a certain way through social media in order to be encountered a certain way. And the way that you get encountered when it comes to being in relationship is not good for you. It may feel good to your flesh. but like, oh, she loves me. Oh, he no, that's lust. There's definitely a, a salesy aspect that has become of relationships these days. It's kind of like a power move of who you can be with or what you can get, mm-hmm. how many people you can be with. Um, but I think with one thing that you said about love, there's this accountability component to it. Yes, and I can say that our world lacks that. And I don't think it's intentional. I think it's society because I like to think of it from a biblical aspect, right? Remember earlier we were talking about Samson and Delilah and I was telling you like nobody, like when I read it, I was just like, Samson, Samson, why you do that? But I'm like, you know, I can't even be mad because I was Samson at one point, Mm -hmm. you know? And taking that back to the conversation, it's just like, People see the Bible as like a rule book. And when you really take time to read it, it's not. It's really a love letter. I I see it as a love letter. And what God labels as sin and what takes you further away from him is ultimately to protect you. So what society has done is they don't label sin sin anymore. They they label it mental health issues. They they label it other things. Mm -hmm. Instead of calling it... um, adultery or polygamy society calls it an open relationship Mm -hmm. or open marriage no that's not what it is and so people have this idea now that oh it's it's fine or oh it's just this Mm -hmm. and they lack that accountability so when it's time to be in relationships they they genuinely don't see any wrong in it because society has justified everything that god is against and normalized everything that he is against which is why people in relationships are so easy even with social media it's like even when you're with someone you feel like you have to do all these things to keep this person Mm -hmm. because they can easily go on social media and be like oh she looks nice right and have somebody else like that right your generation it was totally different yes so that's why now it's like accountability is important but a lot of people lack it i think there people would notice and feel better if they were in relationships where they were held accountable or where there was this thing called tough love or just standards. I mean, I think if people had standards, tough love, and just some accountability, there would be some weight to the relationship and they would enjoy it more because... When everything's so undefined and everything's okay and all of this, which we could take a million different directions. Mm-hmm. We could we could go <laughs> political, we could go a million different directions with that. But it all in all, there is something about 
having weight to something. And that's the one thing I think that was interesting about the Bible when I was starting to look into it. There is certain commandments and things that you do need to abide by. And if you do abide by them, then there's going to be this payoff. Yeah. But not everyone is able to make it there because they're not willing to, to ride that whole train to the, the stop. And they're not able to, you know, reap the benefits of that and feel like the, the fruits of that labor. Right. And I'm one of those people. I'm, I'm very honest with that. I have not been able to be, um, I'm not able to do it because I, I feel like I, you know, jut off. I feel like I'm not strong enough in my faith yet to, to, to not listen to all of the, the noise. And I hope that I will eventually because I do see people out there who are accountable and they keep um, their principles in mind every day. Yeah. And really, I, this is kind of interesting, but um, I, I was the first person in my family to go to church mm-hmm. and to seek that out on my own. And I remember... No hate, Evan, but um, (laughs) (laughs) I need to, like, there's certain things that I've explored in my life. I've explored a lot in my life. I've been in a relationship with a woman. I've smoked weed. I've done different things like drugs or whatever. I've done it. And I am glad that I did because I needed that. I needed it to understand the, the dark side, if that makes sense. But... The religion thing, you know, I remember telling my family about it and they were like, oh, that's cool. Like, you know, whatever. And, and then recently my brother started telling me he's going to church. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And, um, I think everyone just comes to terms with that path of realizing like, Hey, this is the way that's the right way. Yeah. It's not, it's not easy because, you know, People are very hard on themselves. Some people. I'm one of those people who are very hard on themselves. And I'm learning there's no need to be. Yeah. But when it does come to your walk, I understand exactly how you feel when you're just like, I'm wanting to be there. But you can't do it on your own. And you really have to seek God. You know, the word says, you know, ask and he will give. Seek and you will find. Mm -hmm. And he will give you the desires of your heart in his perfect timing. But I think where people do mess up is they don't know how to be patient because society has conditioned us for everything to be quick. And the enemy gives you things like this. Mm-hmm. But you also have to deal with the consequences of what comes from that. Right. You know? And I think right now the enemy is using relationships as a big distraction from people and their calling. Yes. And he's sending many people into people's lives to love bomb and all of these things and feed this fantasy and then it just be taken away or sometimes you know it does go farther than that but it's still not worth your eternity it's still not worth you know your soul and that's why having a relationship with God is important to have that discernment and we were like talking about you know discernment earlier Mm -hmm. and I think for me now it's like the closer I've gotten to him I can feel everything and I used to think me being so emotional 
was a bad thing. Right. But it's not. It's just that at that point in time in my life when I was in high school and everything, I didn't understand what I was dealing with, what I was feeling. Right. I have an understanding now. And I think that's why like I'm so emotionally intelligent. Like I think now I'm just so stoic. Mm-hmm. That's how I would describe myself. It, I'm not emotionless. I am very empathetic. Mm-hmm. I am an empath for sure. Mm-hmm. I just know how to deal with my emotions because I know that my emotions aren't reliable. Do you think you're learning about your emotions and how to handle them? at the appropriate age and time in your life or do you kind of feel like you were making up for lost time and you should have learned that earlier in your life no I think it happened at the perfect time in my life okay and I say that because you know I I grew up you know going to um church but going I didn't have a personal relationship with him right I knew of God but I didn't know God right and it wasn't until I I was like, man, I'm at rock bottom. Like I start it, it wasn't that my life was also bad. I would never say that. I just think that at that point in time I started to realize like this is not real. Like I want answers. Like what is this? What am what are we here for? Right. And I got my answer and I built my own relationship with God. I used to be I used to have like my own opinion on things that I now look back on I'm like that is so arrogant like you are so ignorant and I think what got me to where I am today is really like my whole lifestyle has changed I used to like walk around school listening to young boy and and Megan the Stallion <laughs> and all of these things and then I wondered why I was so angry I, I wondered why I was so depressed why I was not progressing at all because what I was feeding myself what I was feeding my spirit and so like now I'm very careful with what I give an ear to what I talk to I'm very big on protecting my peace who I allow around me even family like I don't I wouldn't say that I just like oh I don't want anything to do with you I would never be that kind of person but I just discern everything Mm -hmm. and I pay attention to how you live your life and how you operate. So I'm not going to put myself in a position with you to disturb myself and where I stand spiritually. I'm not going to let you do that. So I keep my distance or I speak when spoken to. Mm -hmm. But other than that, our lifestyles are totally different. Our beliefs are obviously totally different and I'm not going to argue with a fool. Right. That's how I see it. Like, And I got that when I was reading the book of Proverbs. And I kid you not, every single, all 31 chapters, I always like, I was like, ooh, ooh, God forgive me. I kid you not, I was like, oh, I've done that. I do that now. It just makes me more self-aware. And I feel like that's why a lot of people don't get into the Bible either, because they don't like to feel convicted. They don't. But I do. I want to know what I'm doing wrong. I want to know what... I need to change what I need to work on because I know that we live in a fallen world where there is no hope. I think that's really the mark of a leader, too. I think the fact that you're able to withstand that burn mm-hmm. of learning, hey, you know what, I need to really sharpen my my tool in this area. That's okay. I mean, not... but. Like you said, not everyone wants to hear that. But if you can do that, that's a mark of a leader. And you are 
really setting yourself up for success, but you're also setting yourself up for more challenges. Yeah, and the word says, you know, with more knowledge, with more wisdom comes more sorrow. And even like with my family, you know, I'm very, like, I, I'm such a loving person. I love everybody. Even with like how we talk, you'd be like, Malaysia, how could you after they did that? I was like, I'm just so loving. And I will never forget like when I go to the secret place and I'm like before God in his presence where I can really feel him. And I think about every single person in my family and I sit there and I cry and they will never know that. I cry before God because I see things that they don't. And at the same time, I know that my demeanor is very strong and I have to pray to God all the time. Like, God, please don't let what I say come off ignorant, but let what I say come from a place of love. Mm -hmm. And I remember there being a point in time where they really thought that I did not like them Mm -hmm. or that I did not care about them. Mm -hmm. But my isolation was my time alone Mm -hmm. with God and to really learn myself because you know, if I follow the crowd and what everyone else is doing, I'm not going to make it. I have to be okay with being lonely because I'm not really lonely. God is just always there. And that's why I'm like, I'm so okay now. I'm so happy. The glow that I have, I, I didn't get on my own. It wasn't drinking water and all the soft girl no, era stuff yeah. going on. That's God. Yeah. And it took me to really be honest with him. And that is what took me so long. I guess from listening from what you're saying and thinking about it from a cellular perspective, Mm -hmm. like the fact that I even said, you know, your skin's glowing, like your eyes have this light to them. It's so interesting how belief and this thing that we, you know, can't touch this intangible thing, this, this godly omnipresence can infuse within us and affect ourselves and raise our vibration. I think that, you know, a lot of people when they're, when they're skeptical, um, especially me, like in terms of being a quote unquote Karen, like I have to remind myself about that type of science of Mm -hmm. the, the vibrations and how, your thoughts affect how you feel. Your thoughts affect how you act. Yeah. How um, you are physically. Like, I forget that a lot. And I think people who deal with depression, anxiety, whatnot, they're living in this discordance with their the godly vibration. I think they could be resonating and... flowing a little bit better but they're not in that flow yet and that's a point for them to like what you to do what you did where you isolated you took your time to get with the word and understand what was going on and listen and be available you know for those types of like it's like you're like a radio and there's the 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 radio waves (laughs) i like that analogy yeah because that and then you're able to hear so i think that that's important and you know these types of conversations actually make me want to do that more and i wish that you know that was more of a thing but being honest with god is the most difficult part of it because 
And I say that because when you come from a carnal mind and you come from the world, when you start to read the word, you feel like the most horrible person alive. Yeah. And you feel like, man, I don't even deserve to talk to this man. Like, especially if you feel that way and then you watch Passion of the Christ and you see the passion and the pain and that you feel like such a horrible person, but you have to go through that crushing to know, like, I can be made new. Mm -hmm. My past is not who I am. This worldly time in my life is not who I am. And when you go to God and you're like, God, I'm a perfectionist. I had to, I had to go to God and be like, God, I'm, I'm such a perfectionist. And I, I just tell him, like, you know, God, I did this. I, I get so deep into it that I start to remember things I did at, like, 10. Yeah. And I'm just like, man. And I will never forget having these encounters with God. And that's why, like, my faith is so strong now. I, I prayed for an encounter. And at first, I didn't have one. I was like, okay. I prayed, you know, days went by. And then one morning... I fell asleep and I had an encounter and I, I won't forget like it was it was like I was in my body but not in my body mm. I, I knew everything around me I knew exactly where I was and I was walking on this street like where you know the high school middle school is that street mm-hmm. and I, I just saw a whole bunch of people looking up and I remember I was talking to God like in this dream in this encounter I was talking to him like I normally do as I was walking and I'm like, what are these people looking at? And I look up at the sky and I see two huge, like, transparent hands. And people just shooting up. Like, if it looked real, like, I, it was like I was there. And I started, like, to ascend. So in my head, I'm like, I made it. Like, I, I did this. But then when I reached, like, beyond the clouds, mm-hmm. right, I saw myself descending. And I didn't understand why. And when I my feet touch the ground, I look up and I see like a transparent figure. I kid you not, it was like bright. Like I can't describe it. And it's like, I'm giving you another chance to get it right. And the what? sky closed. And I woke up from that dream, that encounter. And I and I went to my grandma and I was like, Grandma, I just had an encounter with God. Like and I started telling her like I I had that encounter. That's amazing. And I, I was desperate for it. You have to really want it. And I think a lot of people are afraid to go to God and be like, God, I want to know that you're real. Give me that encounter. He will do it. I'll never forget that. And there were times that I did have a lack of faith because of what things I had dealt with. And I remember I kept talking to God about the same thing. All my prayers consumed with the same thing. It was nothing new. And I hadn't read my Bible. So one time I went to the secret place. And I just talked to God about it. Like, I was weeping. I cried so hard, my face was throbbing. And it was just placed in my heart, open your Bible, the last place you left off. Like, I was like, okay. And mind you, I hadn't read my Bible in a minute. I opened it, and (laughs) I was reading. And it said, how long will you mourn over Saul? Get up and be on your way. And I was like, whoa, okay. You told me about that. I I remember that. I told you about that. And so, you know, when God tells you something, he confirms it. A couple of days later, I saw this sermon pop up that kept popping up like out of nowhere. I'm like, I'm going to watch it while I lay here and drift off asleep. And the opening message of that sermon was, how long will you mourn over what God has taken out of your life? 
when he has something better for you. And I was like, okay, yeah. So I've had those like encounters where I knew that that was just God. So my faith now is just like, you can't tell me otherwise. Like what that word says is real. What he said is true. He is real. That's the beauty of, I think, what you're experiencing these moments at a young age. You're just going to build your momentum quicker over life compared to other people who are just blindly walking and still trying to figure things out. And that's why I think with this podcast and just what you're doing with your next step and moving and being in this you know, amazing city that you're going to be in, make the most of it because you're going to take it to the next level with your faith. I want like, like you too to like, I know you said that you get in these zones where you're just like, you have to be like down bad to really reach out. Mm -hmm. But I say like, take steps because God, God knows your heart and he knows where you really are with him, but you need to ask him. God, what did you create me for? What do you want me to do? What What is it that you want with me? Because really, he just wants relationship. He, he wants that communion with you. I've noticed now that my position has shifted from when, you know, you and I were in class together mm-hmm. to more of a position of being vulnerable. And now, instead of talk, having those direct connection moments when I'm in this time of a feverish need or something I just ask all the time instead of none of the time or some time Mm -hmm. and I realize now how quick the response is and how easy it is and better it is to be vulnerable yeah there's power in being vulnerable so I'm learning that and I think it's a great thing it is, it is, most definitely. I think, too, I see a lot of um, people, lukewarm people, and it grieves me because they really think, like, oh, I, I'm, I'm good with God. That's not how it works. Like, it takes more than just being like, oh, I believe in God. Like, to acknowledge, pe- I, I'm going to say it like this, a lot of people acknowledge what he did, but they don't accept what he did. Right. I think of it like this, if you're... If you're like struggling financially, right? You have a lot of debt, mm-hmm. but you need to eat. So you go to the store and you only got $20, which today really can't get you much to last you. And there's a person behind you who literally is filthy rich. And it's like, get whatever you want in this store. I'll pay for it. What would you say? And, and also say, and all of your debt, I'll take care of it. Oh my God, then I would say, yeah. Okay, so that's what Jesus did. When you think of it like that, you're like, wow, why would I not? It's deep. It is deep. Because that's exactly what he did. But then if you don't, if you don't accept it, right? And you're just like, no, it's fine. I'll deal with it. I got it. (laughs) Now you got to deal with all that debt yourself. Yeah, it sucks. For life. For life. So think of it as your, your life. And accepting what God did for you. Don't just acknowledge it and be like, oh, Miss P, there was, a, there was a God behind me who offered to pay everything, but I said, oh, I got it. You'd probably look at me and be like, girl, are you dumb? All that debt you got? Like, 
you know so that's how I look at it now it's just like man God loves you and I, and I look at people and I just feel so much grief because I'm like he is in love with you like he knew this world needed a you and he put a spirit in your body in this vessel and you're gonna live your life doing everything that he's trying to protect you from that he's offering to pay for right and you're saying no I got it knowing that you don't got it see that's so fun from from a from a class perspective I always go I go ham on that I'm like do you realize one egg one sperm (laughs) (laughs) you out of all people it's you who got to be born and you know the kids are like oh wow like that's crazy from from what you said though, you're absolutely right with everything you said. I think everyone, especially the people listening, everyone comes to that type of understanding and that type of deep connection with God from a different starting point. Like yeah, I had kind of like the the <laughs> this is funny. I think you'll love this. Like the McDonald's approach to religion, for sure. You could have at least said Chick-fil-A, not McDonald's. Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Definitely Chick-fil-A. But basically, like, in terms of coming to God, like, I remember being in, I lived in Columbus, Ohio for about five years. And I was real big into being with people my age who were of the same faith and there was this big church there that had this fellowship. I won't name names, but they had a fellowship program and they had all of these houses and, you know, everyone who was faith-based like lived together and all this kind of stuff. And they would have these meetings in these, in this beautiful building with so many young people. And it was great. Like really dove into the word and explained it in a nice way. And it was very intellectual, better than I was getting at the church with, you know, like the big band on stage and the fog machine and the whole thing. Like I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, but that type of setting was really a learning experience for me. But at the same time, you know, after these these intellectual lectures that we'd have about the word, we'd go to these fellowship houses and a lot of these kids were, whenever a newcomer would come around, they would be really honed in on asking the newcomer, have you accepted Jesus in your life? Like, I could not tell you how many times I was bombarded with that question. And I was like, what... I'm like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't, yes, no, I don't know, because I'm not sure yet. I'm just learning at this point. And I think asking a newcomer some of those types of questions so early on in their experience gets them flustered. Because I certainly felt flustered. The yeah. amount of people who asked me that question, it made me feel like I was in a cult. Yeah, and it's in, and that's why the gospel is important, and they kind of like take that out because as a newcomer, you have a lot of questions. Yeah, and you don't understand like what did he do? Why did he do it? What happened? You know what I'm saying? Right. Because when you first start reading the Bible, you're just like, okay, yeah. So why? And then that's why, like, I think evangelism is very important. They don't really talk about it as much now, but it is because. 
without the gospel, how can you expect someone to really be like, you know what, like, I receive what Christ did. They kind of just expect you to come and listen and be like, worry about the questions later. Do you want your soul saved or not? And then you, you do it, but it's just like, you don't have no type of understanding or anything. Exactly. And that's not really helping you because now you feel like, okay, did I do this in vain? Yeah. And, and did I wait? But what what does God, like, you know, you get like all of these like thoughts. I, I get you for yeah. sure. And that's why I think it's important, even when you do go to church, when you read the Bible, pray for understanding and the help of the Spirit to reveal yes. things to you. And that's what I love about it. It's like, I can read the same book of the Bible a billion times and every time it's going to hit different. It's never the same. Right. It does hit different. It does. Because you learn something new every time. I think my favorite book, like, I have a lot of favorite books. Honestly, I started the Bible from the beginning, and I'm like, yep, it's Exodus. Keep reading. Oh, First Kings. Like, it just it just keeps going, but of all time, I could say that one of my favorites that I will always go back to is Ecclesiastes, because it literally gives, like, it reminds me in times that all of this is meaningless. It, it reminds me of how meaningless life is without it. So when I'm going through things, or I feel like, oh my goodness, like, my world is ending. I'm just kind of like, <laughs> none of this matters. <laughs> After I'm like, let me go read Ecclesiastes real quick. None of this matters. That's good that you know how to reorient yourself and reset yourself and recenter yourself. I, I, I had to learn that. And I think something else I've learned too is a lot of people pray, but it's not dialogue. It's monologue. Mmm. True. And it was like that for me for a long time because I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know how to hear from him. So it was like, I'm talking to him, but I don't hear anything. I'm talking to him. I'm not really getting answers. Why is that? Because I'm not even giving him time to speak, let alone. I'm like, God, here are all my problems. Trauma dumping on him. And then hang up the phone. I'm going to bed. I'm going to bed. He's like, I'm trying to give you an answer. I'm trying to tell you. Right. A lot of people pray without reading the Bible as well and the bible has majority of answers for all your problems sounds like i need to read the bible yeah i i i noticed that when i first started my walk i was very religious it was religion like not really relationship with him and now it's the opposite because i'd be like don't say that don't do that it's just like i didn't even let god change me but when I actually sat there, talked to him, I'm in the word, it just happened. When I stopped trying, when I stopped focusing on not sinning and just relationship with him, I lost the desire to those things and they just naturally don't happen. And I think that's where a lot of people mess up too. They focus on not sinning. They do. And that's why they get caught in like these religious mindsets. Yes. And be like, you're this, you're that, you're going around condemning people. Because it's a conditioning thing. Oh, shame on you. You know, the hitting of the wrist and don't do this, don't do that. Kind of how they learned in school. I mean, I think that's that mindset kind of works for some people. And the religious indoctrination, they caught wind of that. And that's Mm -hmm. how they operate. But really, that has nothing to do with what you're talking about. What you're talking about is an expansive, better relationship than 
what's presented at yeah. Chick-fil-A church. Yeah, because he will, he will do that. When, he, when you go to him, you don't have to clean yourself up. Right. And I just, once I realized that, I'm like, I'm just going to focus on my relationship with him. Keep talking to him. Get, keep getting into his word. And literally listening to the spirit because there were times that I felt convicted from things and it's not that necessarily it was a sin or that it was bad God just knew it wasn't good for me and I didn't listen to that feeling I was so caught up in my thoughts in my head be like is this God is this me is this my feelings discernment is very important and when you focus on your relationship with him you won't have a desire to do those things like I used to curse really bad. I don't know when it stopped. Now my lips don't even form a curse word. I don't curse at all. Well, thanks for putting up with my trucker mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know when it happened. I, I don't, but I don't curse at all. Or like when I hear people gossiping, I really have no interest. I, I could care less. I'm just like, I don't want to be around this. My standards are very high. Yeah. And when I say that, it's not that I'm cocky or that full of myself. I'm just very discerning Mm -hmm. and I don't want an enabler and I don't want to be anybody's enabler either. I'm worth more than that. I'm excited for the stories that you're going to, that you're going to tell me once you're in Orlando. (laughs) (laughs) There's going to be a lot of scenarios you're going to be in for sure. I mean, I could say that when I went for orientation, it was very different because I could say I'm a pretty closed off person. I think so. And when I went in, I don't know what it was, but I was not tense and I have not felt that here. Here, I'm tense. I'm, I'm on fight or flight all the time. But when I was up there, I was just like, and the way people just approached me, I've never experienced that before. It was crazy. I mean, you're living at home right now, and there's just that dynamic that you can't really escape. And I think being on your own, being with people of your own age in this atmosphere of learning and, you know, socializing and all of this, I think it's going to do you so good. But I will say that, you know, things didn't go to plan. Remember when we talked about what I was going to do after graduation, how messed up my mental was at the time? Mm Mm-hmm. I could say that I had a very pessimistic mindset at the time. Mm-hmm. And even though things didn't go to plan because of what occurred at that time and what I was going through, God really did work things, all things out for my good. And now I feel like I'm spiritually mature enough. I don't think at that time I would have made it. I, I really don't. And I'm, Agreed. I'm very thankful for the experience, you know. I... I wouldn't say that I regret the experience. And if I could go back in time, yeah, I would change a few things regarding myself, knowing like, you know what, I was wrong. My mindset was not right. But at that time, I had to go through that to be where I am today. And like, to look back, I look back at my younger self and I laugh because I'm like, girl, you was a mess. (laughs) But like, I'm genuinely happy. Good. And, like, I want the best for everyone, but I know that I can't change everyone. You're doing great. You're doing great. (laughs) I'm so excited to see where you go in life. Well, it was nice having you on my podcast. We have good conversations. Thank you so much for having me.
Miss <laughs> P. And I also want to say to everyone, um, I'm very proud of this woman because <laughs> when I was in high school, she didn't even know how to warm up pizza rolls. And I told her um, that she need to figure it out because when she get a man, he ain't going to be able to um, eat no <laughs> raw pizza rolls. And now you have a man. And don't be no concubine, okay? Mm-mm. We ain't settling for that. We had this talk when I got here. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be a concubine. Mm-mm. And if I find out, I will drive them three hours and I'll be knocking at your door. <laughs> and I'm going to say, well, what are you doing? <laughs> and I'm going to call you by your full government name. <laughs> and I'm going to tell him to leave. Do you even know my full government name? I will figure it out. I will figure it out. <laughs> my skills are very good. Okay. Okay. Love it. You say you're not a concubine and you won't be a concubine. No, me. Okay. Well, we had steak and whatever. Um, Potatoes? <laughs> not the potatoes were good. Tomato salad. Yeah, whatever that was. Um, that was. We're gonna work on that. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for Gordon Ramseying my meal. I'm glad that it was higher than a a seven out of ten. It, it was better than pizza rolls. Good. Good. That we're not cooked all the way. <laughs> so you've come a long way. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> my sarcastic self. <laughs> all right, y'all. See you in the next episode. We want to say anything to the people. Anything encouraging. Have a great life.